1: Thank you.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCFootball.com. I'm Rael Skeel. You are joined by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. We have a fun show for you guys today, breaking down USC's 35 to 31 win over Colorado. USC gets its first road win of the season. Five wins on the season, matching its 2018 win total. Pretty yep. crazy there. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that, break that all down. And also give a little preview. is going to face Oregon at home. That should be an interesting matchup. We'll also talk about injury updates. We heard from Clay Helton tonight in his Sunday night press conference. So we'll talk about that. Of course, you can call us. Five one two four tunnel We're back in the studio. We're not in our, our janky Airbnb in Colorado, nope. so we have the fancy setup again, which is nice. Uh, so you can call us. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you guys. You also can tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision. I'll put your tweet up on the screen. And of course, wherever you're watching, Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube, put your comments, questions, concerns, and we will answer them, talk about them. But guys, like I said, USC gets its first road win. You know that that Friday night uh, opponent in the Pac-12 doesn't really do well well, but USC was able to overcome the odds and get a win in, in Boulder, Colorado.
0: Yeah, it was a close game. <clears throat> I was pretty close. I think I said 38-31 on our show, and it was well uh, 35-31. But you see what happened with USC. There was a lot of different factors. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Everything that could potentially be going against the Trojans that, yeah, USC played really well against Arizona, blew them out. Colorado may be the worst team in the Pac-12 but you felt like Colorado was kind of going to get things together. Laviska Chennault would have a big game. He did. He had a big game. You know, he's a tough guy to tackle. USC had a bunch of injuries. There were some guys banged up. And going on the road in the Pac 12 is never easy on a Friday night. You know, Utah, what's their only loss of the year? USC on a Friday night. USC home, you know, away on a Friday night. Yeah. So it was the fact that USC was able to come back and win that game, I think, is a big deal. That, that certainly means something. And it was. It was a difficult road as you you saw shotgun. Colorado played pretty well. They played a lot better than what they played the last couple of weeks. Steven Montez, who had no inter, uh, no touchdowns and six interceptions over the last two weeks, didn't turn the ball over at all. Threw for a bunch of yards. They ran really well. I think I thought Colorado played a really good game and then sort of blew it at the end. But USC, I, I think fairly lucky to get away with a the win there, but you needed to do that heading up into this uh, Oregon showdown. So, You know, big road win. You needed that, but it certainly wasn't an easy one. You know, Colorado, you know, talking with some of the coaches after the game, they brought
4: up, multiple guys brought up that Colorado plays a lot better at home. Yeah. You know, and they have an advantage with the altitude. You know, you had, you had the advantage of the short week. Uh, there were, like we said, there were a lot of factors going against USC. They found a way to win. That was the biggest thing. Keeley talked about it last week that, you know, it was kind of a survive and advance mentality yeah. in that game, and that's what they did. You know, to get that first road win is big for them. Um, I, I think it just gives them confidence, and especially if they start getting some guys healthy, then maybe this team can can start putting things together going forward. You know, they it took them a while to make the adjustments, but they made some adjustments <laughs> sure. late that, that ended up being crucial in that game. Obviously, Steven Montez takes the big hit from Hunter Eccles. And he, they did not play well in the fourth quarter at all. No, yeah. I don't think it was necessarily that he didn't play great. You know, I, I didn't like the play calls. There was yeah. a lot of deep it shots that were bad. taken. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were a lot of deep shots that were taken. There they were could have run the ball a lot more than they yes, did. They, they yeah. could have done that. And one of the things that USC was struggling with was you know the edge rushes. Now they tried to make some adjustments there, and you know the couple of times in the fourth quarter they were able to get uh, you know one or two tackles for loss there, that were, like one yard losses. But uh, you know, so I think they had made some adjustments to that. But I, I, it just seems like they. They could have done more to attack the things that have been working for them, you know, with the crossing routes and different things like that. Now USC and Clay Helton pointed out tonight that they came up in, in press man coverage later in the game, be, to because you know they, they were kind of afraid of the deep ball, you know, because Steven Montez had thrown a bunch of those throughout the season. So they played off coverage initially, and then they decided to change it and go a press man. So maybe that's what led Colorado to, to try to take some of those shots. But I just it just seemed. You know, and maybe part of it is Steven Montez. It was his decision-making to throw the the deep option, but, you know... it just seemed like they were calling those plays or trying to go deep against USC. And it it was working so well for them to kind of move the ball down the field, get the ball in LaVisca's hands. And it also helped USC, the LaVisca Chenault appeared to get banged up as the game went along too. You know, he was on the, besides having the oblique injury that he's kind of suffered through, throughout the season. um, He also took a helmet to the thigh, I think. So they, they uh, were working. He was on a bike, you know, for a a long stretch of time in the second half. Uh, So he was, he was a beast. Michael Pittman was a beast too. Yes. Michael yes. Pittman with the hundred yard receiving effort in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. It's you know pretty good quarter. You know, USC stars started being stars there late. You know, the, the wide receiver group, those three guys, the starters. And then you throw in Drake London. I think he had something like eighty yards as well. Yeah. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown was great using him in different ways. Tyler Vaughns with a great touchdown catch, an amazing catch. Just impeccable. Because he 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 doesn't have gloves on. Yeah, (laughs) you know he he does wear gloves sometimes, but that's a an all hands catch. You know we we talked previously about how great his hands are, but it was even more impressive in that kind of cold that he decided not to wear the gloves and just snags that
0: ball like that. When he snagged that ball on the sideline, the defender kind of makes a play on the ball, doesn't get it, and he just basically stumbles into the it just kinda like walks into It was the just end zone. a casual walk. Strolls. Casual like, stroll. I got it. And nobody's gonna stop me as I walk into the <laughs> casual, end. Casual, yeah. very casual. That's my uh, guy. That's my guy, Tyler Vaughn.
3: It is your guy. I wanna get into the nitty gritty soon. Just but overall, what do you take away from this win? I know it's USC's first road win of the season some people were disappointed in this win, just because we knew that Colorado's defense was not good. They USC could have done more to do it. But like Shotgun said, I had kind of dubbed this game as just go in there, get the win, and get out, basically. Because you just needed this win for the, the South, the, the conference standings. But some USC fans don't want to be mediocre. They want to have a successful game. But... You also look at the injuries. USC was super banged up on defense. They were using on offense Amon Ross, St. Brown as a running back. What do you take away from this win? Are you as upset as maybe USC fans are? Or do you just take this as, this is a win, move on to Oregon? Yeah,
0: USC fans are pretty pissed off, I guess you could say. They're not <laughs> real happy about what's going on. But you look at what happened in the game. When USC gets down, they're sort of like fighting back there for way back the entire time. And they're not really sure what was going on. As far as, like, offensively, they, they had the, the first drive, three plays, you score a touchdown. Um, then they turned the ball over, and that was the only turnover of the game. But it was sort of a big one because once Colorado got moving, you saw Colorado was moving the ball almost at will. And even though USC was getting yards and, and, and doing pretty well, I think they went three and out in their, their third drive. But after that, they were just sort of playing catch-up the entire mm-hmm. time, trying to get back into things, but I, th- I thought the UFC offense the USC offense did a, a good job. It was just more on the defensive side of the ball. You're giving up these kind of big plays, and it just really wasn't working. So you're always playing catch-up, catch-up, catch-up the entire time. And then at the very end, you had an opportunity in the fourth quarter where Colorado didn't score, and USC put up 14 points. So I, I thought consi- USC was consistently kind of moving the ball on the offensive side. The defensive side, I think, were, were the biggest problems. was we We didn't see this Colorado offense that was putrid the last couple of weeks, they looked good. And on the defensive side, this was one of the worst secondaries, one of the worst passing defenses in the country. And USC, I thought, did a pretty good job against but didn't really completely exploit the 128th ranked out of 130 pass, you know, pass defense. You should have done a little bit more than what they did. I mean, USC actually had the the
4: most passing yards uh, of anyone against their defense this year. So Colorado gave up more. 406 passing yards was the most. They had given up 400 to Arizona as well, but 404 there. Um, So some of that was run after catch with Michael Pittman and and stuff like that. Uh, I thought I really liked the game plan of the five wides actually utilizing it. This was kind of what I expected this offense to look like. From yeah. The Initially, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, you go five wides. You know, being able to have a speed back there that uh, you know, a running back that can really turn up the field, and you know, when if they're overplaying things. Quick cuts and Keen Kirsten. I, I like the way he, you know, that he ran the ball. You know, when he had opportunities, uh, his pass blocking was, you know, a, a work in progress. Um, so I think that was part of the reason why you saw as much five wide as you did. Mm-hmm. And, and Graham Harrell said afterwards that part of the reason why he saw Amon Ross St. Brown motion into the backfield a couple times was just to give them that option, yeah. and so that the defense has to, you know, respect that they can still run it even when they have five wides on the field. So uh, it was kind of a back and forth there. It was something really interesting. So you you talked about there was the interception. They actually had two, three and outs right after that. Those three drives were the only three drives of the game that Drew Richmond played. Uh, Now, Clay Helton talked about it. He didn't start the game. Uh, Clay Helton said he wasn't feeling good. Uh, You know, Isaac Taylor Stewart also was... I was told he was throwing up basically wow. the entire you know not day before and was really – you could see on the sideline. He, he was, was – yeah. like at the end of the game, like everyone's celebrating and stuff and his face is just like kind of melted. You know, he's just yeah. – you know, he, he was under the weather really bad. Um, and he played okay. You know, he, he didn't look the same as he has looked. You know, he didn't have that same energy. Uh, and obviously that will happen. Giving up the big touchdown to LaVisca, you know, he – you know, that was a bad – just bad job of tackling uh, there. Otherwise, I thought he did okay in the game. But, you know, if if Drew Richmond was out, if the, the couple drives when he was in, the offense just did not look good. And I think that's why they went. They decided because when they brought back, you know, they scored on that first touchdown drive with Jimmons in there at that left guard and bumping out Drew yeah. McKenzie. Um, and then the Drew,
0: next Drew Richmond. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah,
4: bumping out uh, Jalen yeah. McKenzie to, to tackle for Drew Richmond. When he came back in, when Jimmons came back in, that was when they went nine nine plays, seventy-five yards to score the touchdown before the half. That kind of you know kind of boosted them back into it because it was I think it was what 17-7? Um, 17-7 at the time, yeah, yeah. So made it seventeen fourteen, and then the offense the second half was pretty good for the most part. You know they had a couple drives. One of them was backed up from the the pass interference on um, on Michael Pittman, another one was backed up from another penalty. So the two drives where they punted, I think were were both. The penalties played a big part in that. But if you noticed about the 11, 12 minute mark, you know, I I pointed it out, you know, Clay Helton went berserk on the sideline, as as well as as Chad Kay, as well as Johnny Nansen, all the defensive coaches, they got a five yard uh, illegal substitution penalty. What happened is LaVisca Chenault caught the ball near the sideline and immediately went out, and they never gave USC an opportunity to sub. So Clay Helton, I got some details on it, that Clay Helton's the guy that determines when USC is going to sub. He he has the final authority, you know, and he'll call for a sub situation. You know, you'll see him on the sidelines with his arms out, you know, just reinforcing it to the referees, and then they'll try to run guys in and out. And in that situation, the referees did not allow them to sub, you know they didn't give them an opportunity to match the substitution and so they were all going berserk it was just a terrible call by the Pac-12 refs well Clay Helton worked the referees he worked them and they, they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive and hey did that 5 yards factor into the touchdown i mean the next they they had gained three or four yards on that on the run play where it was called uh, and there was an incompletion a 3 yard run and an incompletion were the next three plays so would they have scored Maybe, maybe not. The, the play calling may have been different. Who knows? They they, they end up scoring a touchdown on the drive though. But after it, during the TV timeout, Clay Helton was going off on the referees over and over and over. Yeah. And I think you got to give Clay Helton credit because he worked the referees. There were two calls against USC the rest of the game. Two calls in basically you know a half a football. That's unheard of in the right. Pac-12. And, <laughs> and one of them was a false start on, on Tyler and The other one was as an obvious you know pass Good interference on, on Michael Pittman Jr. So, you know, every other call seemed to go USC's way. Even the hit that, that on Steven Montez, that could have been a call, a late hit. You know, that one, Hunter Echols took two steps, you know, before driving him into the ground. Whereas early in the game, you know, Keaton Slovis took the hit, and it was a much less, yeah. you know, timing-wise was much less uh, time between the hits and the quarterback, you know, releasing the ball. So... Could have easily been a uh, you know a penalty thrown there, but all the calls seem to go in USC's favor after that, pretty much. So give Clay Helton credit. That's a it's a very underrated skill. You know the best the best especially college basketball. Uh, you know the best coaches know how to work the referees. Uh, you know before the games and then during the games to get calls. Mike Shustevsky is incredible at it, and people are always. You know upset at the way that they do things uh, at the way that they get extra calls it seems like but he does a great job of it and clay helton did a great job in that game of of helping his team out by you know taking advantage of a referee's mistake and, and you know getting in their head a little bit yeah. and getting them to get the calls
3: so we're eight games into the season which is crazy Do you feel like you have a good sense of who this team is? I feel like the only thing we really know about this team is that they have fight in them. That's like really the only bottom line thing that you can take away because I feel like every week it's a different team based on who they're playing. Uh, You know... When they played Khalil Tate, when they played Utah, I feel like they knew they had to step up their, their performance and, and play to a certain level. And then sometimes I feel like they come in maybe a Colorado game and kind of slow start, slow to get there. But I think the one thing we do know is that this team will fight to the very end.
0: Yeah, they do have a lot of fight in them, which is a good thing. That's a, they're, You're not seeing this team give up, which is great. But the Pac-12 in general, it just it's a week-by-week week basis. You just mm-hmm. don't know. If you would have seen Stanford play against UCLA, you would have never said... Hey, I think Stanford's going to go out and win the next game. Now, KJ Costello came back and he played pretty well, but like Stanford went out and won that game, and you're like, there, there's no way they were awful. You watch it, a, a Cal, how good their defense was. Now they played Utah, and once they're they're on their third-string quarterback now, so they're one of three teams the Pac-12 that have used three starting quarterbacks: USC, Stanford, and Cal. The other one, then they get blown out 35-0. It's it's a week-by-week week thing. Teams look completely different. Colorado could not have looked any different against USC at home than they did on the road the past couple of weeks. They look like a real team. And we, we thought they were a legit team, even though they were number 12 in our Pac-12 power rankings we did for 24-7 sports. USC did not look as good as they did blowing out Arizona, where they got seven sacks and all that stuff. It's just... It's a week by week thing. I don't think it's just a USC thing. I think it's a Pac-12 thing. There's a lot of mediocre, mediocrity in the conference. And I think that's going to come in week to week, where you can come up looking really good one week and you look like crap the next week. I don't think I think USC is very talented, but they're not immune to that as well. And so we don't know what we're going to see when USC plays Oregon next weekend. But there's they did definitely did not look as good as they have even like the second half of Notre Dame on the road. At home against Arizona and Colorado looked completely different, and that's why this was a close game that USC needed a, a you know late fourth quarter comeback to win. Yeah,
4: it seemed like you know I've given the USC coaches, especially on the defensive side, a lot of credit for you know, how they've managed the injuries they've had and how yep. guys have stepped up. It seemed like this game, it finally, you know, uh, the opposition was able to take advantage of those injuries. They did. You know, it's because they really were able to attack off-tackle a lot, you know, whether it was, you know, whoever the edge rushers were, you know, they really attacked the edge pretty well. And I think part of it part of it was the, the guy, you know, Caleb Tremblay and Hunter Echols, you know, getting their first starts and the guys that were seven in there. Elijah Winston gets moved back to outside he linebackers. He was outside, I mean, which we yeah. haven't
0: seen for – Couple of months since
4: he, you know, he moved the inside linebacker during the, the fall camp, and you know he gets moved back. Um, but it was also the linebackers behind them, because it, it, you know, depending on the call, you know, if the defensive end, the edge guy is supposed to take the dive on the on a read option, then the, the the responsibility for holding the edge becomes the next defender, which is often the linebacker. Sometimes it's a safety out there. Uh, and I was talking with Chad K a little bit about a bit about it. He says. Our guys did a good job at times uh, and, you know, they'll probably get, you know, they that they would get reamed from the fans a little bit because you may not know whose responsibility it is. So I think that it was partly those guys, you know, they they were not, definitely not 100%, but you have injuries there. You have injuries at the the next guy at the next level, the guys that will be stepping up. You know, it was Kanai Malga sometimes. It was Chase Williams at, at times at the safety spot. Uh, you know, I think Isaiah Paul Mao did not play very well. He actually got benched in the fourth quarter. Uh, Britton Allen played, I think, three straight drives. Was he benched or was he tired? What was it? So
0: Greg Burns was benched,
4: So Greg or... Burns told me that he wanted to go over some things with Isaiah. So they put Britton Allen in. He said now he said that he's been wanting to get Britton Allen in there, getting him in the rotation a little bit. Um, but so basically, it was going to be all right, you're going to set out this drive. I'm going to show you some things while you're over here is the way he made it sound. Uh, I'll put that interview up, I think, tomorrow morning there. But, um, but then Britton Allen was playing well, and he's like, well, we're just going to stick with Britton Allen, Britton Allen, Britton Allen. And then when they got to the two-minute drill, the last drive, that's when they put Isaiah back in the game, so they didn't the veteran experience then. But he got benched. Um, you know, he took some bad angles at times. They, they didn't tackle well at all in the first half. They tackled it much. Was bad. They tackled much better as the game progressed. The same thing with Colorado to an extent too. They were terrible early tackling wise, and they got a little bit better as the, the game progressed. But there was a late USC was able to get some some big run after catches. But uh, you know, like the Pittman one, but that wasn't really tackling. He just split the defense. <laughs> um, so, I, I thought that there are a lot of things that still need to be improved there. They did make some adjustments and those adjustments played played up a lot, you know, in, in that fourth quarter and USC dominated the fourth quarter. That was the di- difference in the game. Yeah. They found a way to win 14 nothing in the fourth quarter. That was that mm-hmm. was the
3: difference. Yeah. And in that sense, do you feel like uh USC is getting the injuries are getting talked about enough. I feel like some fans are just like, who cares about injuries? We're talented across the board, but injuries do matter. Like when you have your starters out, like that does matter to a certain extent. Do you feel like that's getting talked about enough? Or do you think this team should just perform no matter what?
0: No
4: one ever remembers
0: injuries. Yeah. And I think they're performing. I mean, I think you got to perform no matter what. I heard people talking about how the secondary was completely depleted. Like, no, everyone was back except, uh, Funga. Like everybody else was back. Chris
3: Steele was not there.
0: Yeah, but he wasn't a regular starter. He was a starter as a, as a he's a backup. You know, that, uh, I mean, he started like four games now. And Burns
3: so. has referred to it as like a three-man rotation, right?
0: But so one of your there's two guys, two <laughs> positions. One, you know, what two of your starters are still there. So you had ho- and one of them's done. throwing up on the sideline. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> and
4: the other one just came back from a back
0: injury. Whatever, and, and was, <laughs> like was very dude, winded himself. There's no no excuses. <laughs> are, who who would you rather have the Colorado bench or you know the Colorado? Uh, roster or the USC roster, like, but that's not
3: what we're saying here. That's
0: what I'm saying here. It's like it does, injuries are not an excuse when you're playing the worst team of the Pac-12. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Here. On a they, short
4: but, week, uh,
0: they had a short week too. Okay. Yeah, but not with six guys being. It was a beautiful day. It wasn't <laughs> snowing. Like, look, there's no excuses. Like, there's like, it look, it's Colorado. Day. Like, you, you no, like you shouldn't have been losing by ten to Colorado throughout the entire game. Like, that's not. That should not have happened. The secondary was not depleted outside of Talanoa Funga. You had plenty of guys there. It was fine. Like, no, I I don't think injuries are an excuse at all. You, they've talked about it plenty. I don't say that that's an excuse.
4: I don't. I don't think it's an excuse for them being behind Colorado. However, it's something that should be noted. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What Colorado did really well was attack USC's edge. Well. I just went through a whole rant about how all the players that were in there were all backups. So,
0: yeah, if you don't have your starters, it, it has an impact. Yeah, when Christian Rector's in there, no one attacked the edge. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Christian Rector was getting like 42% <laughs> for most of the season. Okay. I'm just saying he was in there, and they, they still attacked the edge. Uh, even with Drake Jackson in there, they were attacking the edge. So, it, it I mean, it was happening. And this is the worst team in the Pac-12. Like, the worst. There's 12 teams. This would be number 12. So no, not an excuse. You have some guys banged up. Okay. All right. I'm just saying that's just.
3: I'm just exploring I'm that for the factor. Fans here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll see.
0: It's been talked about plenty, and I it was talked about to the point where people were saying like nobody was left in the secondary. Like, well, maybe the week before I nobody was left in the secondary. Who was saying that? That was one of the TV broadcasts they were talking about it. Like, they were. It was like a thing.
4: i yeah, them saying like the ten starters were out and stuff, and some of the guys on there on that list were just like those aren't. The true starters, yeah. necessarily. Um, so, yeah, it was overplayed to an ex- maybe to an extent by the broadcast. But, you know, I-, I think it definitely played a factor. And like I said, I think this is the first time that someone was able to exploit those injuries uh, and give Colorado credit, you know, because that's something you need to do as a game when you're game planning is, all right, where are they
0: weak? Where can we attack? Yeah. I think when you got a lot of mediocre teams, which is what you have in the Pac-12, you're going to see a little bit of a roller coaster. You're going to see... Colorado can play here on offense. They have stars. We talked about Steven Montez and LaVisca Chenault. they got a pretty good group of wide receivers. They run the ball pretty well. I really like that freshman running back, too. Yeah. Mango. He's, Very a, he's no, probably I mean, a beast. I mean, you know, Mustafa Johnson is great. Uh, Nate Landman. Like, there's some stars, but they don't all necessarily get to play together. So, sometimes, with the last two weeks, we saw them in a trough, you know. And they came on back the home. Road. On the road. They came back home. There was a bunch of guys injured. And I think for the first time in a, a few weeks, both Chenault. And Mustafa Johnson were more healthy than they've been, so yeah. they were going to play at a high level. Um, you know, we've seen USC do that as well. That's what, when you're talking about a team like USC that has the talent they have. You just don't want to see those big dips. There was a pretty big dip, I think, against Colorado. Now they they got the win. They fought through, just like Healy said. They didn't like give up. They were they're persevering. They're fighting on all that. But the the swings that you're seeing with USC shouldn't be as severe as they have been. That's what's going on throughout the entire Pac-12. UCLA can look like dirt, and then they'll look good. Um, I mean, they were crazy good in this last weekend. Arizona State, everything was keeping close. They've got blown out the last two weeks. It's just up and down. I think that, to me, is a sign of there's a lot of mediocrity in this conference. And USC has enough talent that they shouldn't be this mediocre. They should not sure. be 5-3 yeah. and three at this point.
3: Yes. No, I agree with that on the whole. I was just talking specifically against this game or against Colorado on a short week. On a Friday away, but yes, I agree on the whole they altitude. Should be, they should be better than what they are. The record says right now.
4: And speaking of the altitude, it was huge for them to actually control the ball in the fourth quarter, you yeah. know, because they they going into the fourth quarter uh, the time of possession was heavily favored in Colorado's way, uh, and USC had the ball for nine minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I think that was that was really big because that defense. They did a good job getting off the field in the fourth quarter. You know, it was it was huge the third down conversions uh, in the second half. Colorado was one of seven, uh, and now one of those came early in the fourth quarter. But you know that that was huge because that that defense would just gotten more and more gassed. Yeah, you know, they were rotating as much as they could. You saw at times like Max Williams would go in mid drive for Greg Johnson. Yeah, you even saw like Elijah Griffin went for a deep ball. On uh, he had a deep ball defense and they immediately pulled him out and put somebody else in. But you don't usually see like cornerbacks, you know, they, they don't like them. to rotate those. No, no. Yeah, being pulled out in mid drive or anything like that. So they were trying to rotate as much as they could. Uh, and you could see, I could see guys, uh, you know, going back and forth on the sideline. I could see guys were were really huffing and puffing late in that game. So control controlling the
0: time of possession was huge in the fourth quarter. Yeah, basically
3: are, the opposite of Notre Dame in that yeah. sense.
0: How are you guys on the sideline? Like we're in the press box, and we're not like running around. We had good food. They had like lots of sweets. It was it was, it was a Shouts really to the Colorado food. Colorado like SIDs, a Colorado like awesome press box, and everything. But how were you guys? I know it's a pain in the butt to kind of you have to go through the stands to get from one end to the other. But were you guys tired? Like, did you guys feel the altitude like you did against BYU?
3: Yes, I always just feel kind of foggy. Like, but I I think BYU was worse just because it was hot too. But okay, yeah.
4: So I ran a ton in the first couple of, or first. Three, two and a half quarters, and then there had been some people that left in the front row. So I just chilled out near the fifty-yard line for a little <laughs> while. I uh, got some different perspective on uh, because uh, the Colorado field normally USC you, the media can go to the thirty-yard line. I believe it is thirty or thirty-five. Colorado, it's the twenty. Yeah. So you lose ten yards. So that you know anything that happens in the middle of the field is that much more difficult. You know, to as shoot. a photographer to shoot because I don't have the the big boy lens. <laughs> big boy. Still waiting on Ryan to <laughs> purchase that for the site. Uh, well, you're yeah. sitting on the fifty yard line for games. It's like you're you're lazy for you know. Yeah. I mean, so you know. It, was, it was actually you know it was, I got a different perspective there and, and got to shoot a little bit of the game there. You know, I was kind of moving back and forth. Yeah. Um, so. That was a little different, but during the first half, I could definitely feel it, you know, that when I was running back and forth, I was, I was huffing and puffing a little bit more than the normal, which is still a lot. Uh, yeah.
3: Because <laughs> I remember turning to Alicia De Artola from Red Tour, and I was like, I just feel really off right now. And she's like, it's the Student. I was like, oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So you, fe- you feel the difference. Uh, I'm actually going to go to a live caller who has been patiently waiting yeah, let's do that. for like 23 minutes. So thank you. Hello. Um, hello. You are live on Tunnel Vision.
1: Hi, Healy, it's Heather Browning calling. Hello. And I have a couple of comments and a question. So bear with me. First of all, I loved your coat on Friday night. So oh, thank you. <laughs> really nicely done there. It was cold, so yes. you needed all the fur. That's
3: true.
1: Um, and it was nice to see so many USC fans in Colorado. I feel like we were really behind this team and kind of gave them a chance to get back in the game, which we didn't think we'd have to do, but we were definitely supporting there. Um, and just real quick, USC has been in my family for four generations, and we've been season ticket holders and Trojan Athletic Fund contributors. So I've been through the ups and downs of the program throughout the years. And my loyalty is deep, but my patience has grown thin. And with every article that I read and commentary that I listen to, the dialogue is always the same. Our talent is immense, um, but that's only on paper. And so my question is this, if this is the case when you guys talk about the talent of this team, why do we continue to bite and scratch our way to wins or lose games that we should win? And is it that our coaches are not adequately, adequately equipped to make adjustments, or do we just lack discipline and direction? Also, for all of you guys, if you were in charge of the program, what would you be doing differently at this point in the season? And to you, Keely, Whoa. Dan Weber is single. <laughs> I'd like to introduce him to my mom.
3: So. Wow. He's not. <laughs> thank you
1: and fight on.
3: Thank you. For, Thanks, Heather. Holy, yeah, thank you. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. First of all, Dan Weber is happily married, so no on that. Um, yeah. On the fans' point, I actually thought that the fans pumped up the defense before the final drive. They did. Uh, cause they Michael were in, Pittman
0: brought brought that up, too. They yeah. were in the
3: corner of that, that end zone, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Colorado put on Mo Bamba, which is the the song, and USC's defense really likes that song for some reason. So they were pumped up. USC fans were pumped up, and it was kind of like a home crowd environment right before that drive. So yeah, shouts to the USC fans for that one. Yeah,
0: and Heather on the on the talent side versus the coaching side. I mean, you mentioned some things. I think those are all factors, but really it's more about um, player development. And if you get a, a five star recruit or a four star recruit coming in, does that mean that they're going to be the best player in college? Not necessarily. But you look at the talent index that 247 goes through. It's a composite of what's going on. Who are the top teams? It's the Ohio States of the world. It's the Alabamas. It's the Georgias, uh, Oklahomas. Like Those are the teams that are at the top. And USC is number four, actually, on that list. Everyone else around USC is in the top 10 uh, on the AP poll and, and all that stuff. And USC is not. So I'm not saying that, you know, recruiting rankings always mean everything, but all the other teams that are ranked high in the recruiting rankings where USC is are doing very well, and USC is not. I think that's a big factor. It's not necessarily the discipline or all that. I mean, part of it. But it's really about player development and being able to put your athletes in the right position. Um, you've seen what uh, Oklahoma has been able to do. Two Heismans in a row, and you got Jalen Hurts there now. You, Whatever you're going to do is like, hey, you got a good athlete in there. We're going to figure out what's going to work with that that athlete as a quarterback or whatever position, and they're going to succeed. And Lincoln Riley's done that an amazing job, taking over for a legend in Bob Stoops, to win two Heismans in a row and have another contender in your third year, even bringing in a transfer. That's showing that these guys know what to do with the talent they have. For USC, that's really been the issue. And the thing with USC is USC's in the Pac-12. Now, you you could say the same thing about Clemson, where the rest of the ACC is garbage. The rest of the, the Pac-12 is not that good. Yeah, I think Utah's a good team. I think Oregon's a good team. But if USC hired a guy like Urban Meyer, it would be kind of like the Pete Carroll days all over again. You would have USC here and everybody else. The recruiting rankings, you know, recruiting has been hurt significantly in the last year and a half or so. Um, certainly the, the product on the field. I think all that can change if you have really good coaching. So to me, it's all about you're not having elite coaching to go along with your elite talent, and that's why USC is where they are right now.
4: I would agree with that assessment. I think that they, when you talk about adjustments, I think they're doing a much better job this season yeah. of adjusting. Now, maybe they adjusted a little too late on defensive side yesterday. And I think it, it took Clancy Pendergast to kind of step away and say, what I want to do and what I like to do it's not working. Two different things. <laughs> you know, he, he wants to blitz. You know, he likes to bring pressure. He likes to, you know, be able to force a quarterback to, to move or to, or to make decisions quickly. And it wasn't working. And then when USC sat back, they played, you know, that press coverage. To give the defensive line a little bit longer to try to attack um, up front, but didn't bring extra guys and sat back there with a couple of zone defenders over the top or in the middle. You know, I thought it was a, you know it worked a lot better for them. So you know, it took them a little while to make that adjustment, uh, but when they did, the defense kind of stood up, stood up, and you know made some plays there towards the end. The offensive side, I really liked the five wide stuff, and they went away from it partly during those those three drives that I talked about earlier when Drew right. Richman was in, yeah. that's when you saw more of the regular, you know, the H-back looks and stuff. And I think they had to realize then at the same time, like, this isn't working. Let's go back, Five, spread, yeah. this, spread yeah. this stuff out. And you saw more of that. Now, they they did go with four wides a lot. You, you didn't see much of the tight end or H-back in this game. There, there wasn't yeah. a lot. No. Eric Hook didn't play too much. Uh, Jude Wolf, I don't think, came in until the very end for the kneel downs as far as on offense. So um, is there any Josh follow or No.
3: No, I don't think so.
4: He was on special teams, uh, okay. I believe, but I didn't see him uh, participating on, on in in the game in itself. We we on had a,
0: an attempt to set up Dan Weber. Like, <laughs> uh, the, 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 isn't that weird? No, I'm not saying weird. No, Heather, that was a great call, Heather. But like,
3: Heather sounds like a great. Person. Isn't that amazing?
0: Like someone was trying to set up. Dan Weber on the on the show. It I mean, we, Keely gets marriage proposals and stuff. Like for <laughs> for Dan Weber to get like you know se- I love that. That's I'll great. be sure
3: to tell him. We're just
0: really trying to reach out to the fans. Yeah, sure. <laughs> also, you brought up Lincoln Riley. He lost yesterday. They did lose to Kansas yeah. State.
3: Um. Anyway.
0: True, but I mean. They've, he's won two Heisman's in a row and has Jalen Hurts like doing. Pretty they were well. down by
4: like what twenty one or something late. Yeah, uh, and they, now came they, back. they came back. But you know, can you imagine the the, the fan the message board yeah. if that was? That's USC what I texted
3: I you. I said, imagine the peristyle if that was yeah. USC. Yeah,
0: but that happens like three or four times a year, not once a year. Like that's that's like the that one true. The, no. the, the the one hiccup for Oklahoma is going to be that. It was just USC's funny. got like four of those. It a was year. just funny
4: that yeah. that was the example you used the week they li- that they lived.
0: Right.
3: So. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, Heather, for think, the call. I think you would
0: take what Oklahoma's done the last three years over yeah. for what USC's.
3: We appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to go to our next caller and then jump into some questions if it switches over. Hello, you are live on Tunnel Vision.
2: Hi, this is JB. Um, I was trying to answer that uh, lady's question about uh, you know, how to fix this dang team. Uh, I don't think it's as hard as we all, you know, make it out to be. I mean, we saw, you know, that uh, there is time during, uh, you know, these short weeks uh, to make changes. They did last week versus Arizona. They suddenly decided to practice tackling and uh, contain the quarterback, and it worked. Uh, They didn't have all the running backs, so they decided to uh, go five wide and put Amon Ra, you know, in the backfield. But then they, you know, used it a couple times and went away from it. You know, why does it take seven, eight weeks to do this stuff and, you know, a bunch of injuries? They could have used this stuff. They don't have to, you know, run the fly sweep every time. They run it enough so that the other team has to respect it, which opens everything up, you know, for the rest of the running plays. They do the same thing. You know, they don't tell Keenan to look for Keenan Christen on that outlet pass that he's open on, like, every freaking time. You know, why not? You only have to throw it two or three times until the rest of the field is wide open. Point being is that They've shown that there is time, even in these short weeks, to add this stuff if they actually think that there's a need to do so, and that comes from Clay Helton. He's not doing his job because he doesn't really think there's a problem.
0: Uh, thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would say they tried to work on tackling a little bit more, but the tackling was awful, especially in the first half. I mean, it was pretty bad. Yeah. So it's not like the tackling was completely fixed. Um, but, yeah, that's, I, I you know. There's, there's been some, there's been times where you feel USC needed to make changes and they do it too late yeah. uh, after the 2017 season is when coaching changes needed to be made, but USC won the PAC 12 and Clay Hilton didn't do anything. And then they went five and seven and then you make changes after that. So yeah, I, I agree with you. There's like, you need to make the change. You have to be a little more proactive and, and realize like, Hey, this isn't working. We need to change this and to not wait till it fails miserably and then go, okay, now we're going to change that.
3: Yeah. Alrighty, thanks for the call, JB. I believe it was JB or JD. J-B. Uh, I always joke that we're like therapy, but that was a real that lived up to it. That was that like, was some therapy right that there. That was some therapy. we back to back calls.
0: We have we had people on Periscope asking like, "What's the t- the number to call in?" It's on the graphic at the bottom Below. of the screen. so like right five one shotgun, two
3: point down, right where you are right now. No, over, yes, five, right, one, there, two, more tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> right there, guys.
0: Um, right there, that's where it is. We did have a question. Um, yes, about uh, who's coming back. Um, well, let me find it here. But yeah, who's coming back from injuries? So Clay Helton said on his, his conference call that he would give more
4: information on Tuesday when he gets more information because the players had both uh, Saturday and Sunday off. He said it was NCAA mandated. It's from Andy, me. by the way. Sorry. Um, Thanks, Andy. That's... You know, when everyone's back in the building, basically, he'll get more information tomorrow and be able to give us, you know, better info on Tuesday. He did say that Chris Steele and Christian Rector were on the cusp. So you would assume that means those guys will be back this week. We actually had an injury update. Uh, I put an in injury update uh, talking with a team source on the P earlier today. So if you want
0: some more information, yeah. this is what I <laughs> would
3: tell you guys subscribe. You gotta be
0: a subscriber, check it out. Good about some guys, some guys that they could be getting back uh this weekend as well. We did we were the first to report that Chris Steele wasn't uh making the trip there to uh Colorado. So that was a little surprised that he wasn't gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well
3: it, yeah, well, interesting to see all the injuries. Rehab Island, how many bodies are there on Tuesday. But let's jump into some questions. Jasper Smith on YouTube says, can the coaching staff do anything else to teach Keaton Slovis to slide after the QB scrambles? He still doesn't seem to have the awareness of, in the moment and absorbs too many hits.
0: There's a couple of those where you, you want to see him slide and then other ones where you need to get the first down and you're like, got to do something else. So he hasn't se- doesn't seem to make the really the right decision. But, you know, he's a young kid, I think. That's something you're going to get with experience too.
4: And I, I think as his career progresses, you know, he's going to add more muscle. I think the hits really take an effect on him right now just because he's a true freshman and he's a quarterback. So he's not coming in as, you know, a, a really buff dude or anything. Like every hit he takes, you, you see him kind of wince when he takes it. Some of them, you know, just don't, don't seem like there's anything even there. And he's, he feels it you're a little bit. It, yeah. Um Got to say that USC was really fortunate to win this game too because the two fumbles that he had,
3: I do not know how they USC recovered both of those. And I have shots where if you pause it, the ball is next to three Colorado defenders and there's like no USC player around there. Yeah. It's and crazy.
4: B- and both he of had those pick, play, Chuck had pictures too. Yeah, yeah. I put, but both of those plays were Josh Follows brother. He yeah, had an opportunity 42. to recover both of those, really, and mm-hmm. neither time could come up with it. One so of the times, Keenan
0: Kristen got one, and Drake London got the yeah. other, and it's like yeah. those were game-saving recoveries where USC had no business recovering the ball. Yeah,
4: right at the goal line, basically, and then you score. I think on the next play, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. With Keenan Kristen. and then on that final drive that USC scores on. 'Cause if you if you did if they did recover that fumble, Colorado, they're already in field goal position at least. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're forcing USC to you know, have to score a touchdown late and you know, there's less time now, you know, there's more pressure and stuff. So it could have been a completely different ball game. And there was another play that the ball was bobbled around. You know, he tried to you know, Keaton tried yeah. to pitch it to Keaton and Kristen at the very end and the ball was bobbled around. Colorado players touched it and it hit the ground and for an incompletion, another chance. So there was a couple plays there. For They're, USC to overcome those, they they found a way.
0: So that eighty nine yard touchdown drive at the end, which by the way, I called on Twitter before it happened. I said, <laughs> you did. I said USC is going to go eighty nine yards and score a touchdown. It did not look good. They needed the the was it second and twenty to Drake London that went for nineteen. Terrific throw, fumble, and the catch sack, on them fumble. On them. Yeah, I mean there was like so many good plays that happened to happen the last drive. I'm like, two or three times. I'm like, my prediction is not going to come true, <laughs> and then it did. So I was like. Called that? Yeah, right after <laughs> the, right after the
4: fumble uh, on that play, it was second and twenty, and a beautiful throw and catch. Drake Drake London over the middle, kind of a you know kind of a vertical route, and Keaton Slovis just basically th- sees the linebacker that's covering him, sees his back is churned, and throws it right to the left yeah. of the linebacker. And Drake London makes a great adjustment midair to go and catch it, and makes mm-hmm. a great hands catch. And They pick up, I think, 19 yards there. Yeah. And then Quincy Junty actually comes in to get the third and one. So he picked up a couple of first downs on that final drive. And he, had, I don't think he carried the ball. That was his before, first carries or, I think prior in the game. So so give him credit for bouncing back from the fumble he had last week. Obviously they wanted him on third and one because he's a much bigger back. Keenan Christian actually did not break a tackle the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he he's his thing is all speed um, now. Eventually, that will develop. And he's a pretty stout dude, uh, but he's just smaller. So uh, you, if he's not breaking the tackle, you, you kind of want a bigger back in there on that third and one, which is why I think you saw Quincy Junty, uh go in late late in the game
0: to, on, on that final drive for a couple carries. Mm-hmm. And it's great for Drake London too, because we've seen so many times in critical junctures yeah. that the ball went to him and bad things happened. So for something good to happen, that was really nice for him. So him. You know, Quincy gets the the carry where his only other carry was a fumble. So nice for some guys that were they were in critical spots and it didn't work out. It worked out in this game.
3: Yeah, getting that bad taste out of their mouth. Yeah, shotgun?
0: Uh I I
4: thought the the offensive an uh, air attack, they really used the entire field. You know, you saw Drake London in the middle of the field, Amon Ra in the middle of the field, you saw Pittman on the edge. Tyler Vaughn's on the edge. You saw the receiver screens. So that was one of the things they did. If you guys didn't notice, the receiver screens were an extension of the run game. You know, that was five wides. Okay, we're going to use Michael Pittman as a running back. You know, we're going to use yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown as a running back. Um, instead of just handing the ball off, we're going to throw it out there and get three blockers in front. And that's just going to be – That's that, those are going to be kind of our running plays in this game to an extent um, because of the way that Colorado was playing their off coverage. Because they didn't want to get beat deep from some of those guys, even though they still did get beat deep. <laughs> they still did, yeah. Uh, which was also, I saw that one. That was developing right in front of me. And as soon as Pittman got by the the first line of defense, I was like, "That's this is probably about to be a big play." Because Drake London ran, I think, a, a post route or something. It took the safety with him, open and wide open, and Slovis put it on him. Um, so you know, Slovis made some some good throws in this game. He made a couple throws that were you know, were uncharacteristic of him. He's been really accurate, uh, and he had a couple of ones. You know, same thing last week against Arizona – the the a couple of throws just weren't very accurate. This one, the the interception, that was just a bad throw. You know, he threw it way inside.
3: He also double pumped, which we don't really see him do that.
4: True, uh, which might have played into it. Uh, but he's just been he's been really good as far as his accuracy and putting the ball where he wants to put it. Uh, to see there were a couple of them there he didn't didn't make it. But still threw for over four hundred yards. Yeah, so he had yeah. a big day, pretty good day,
3: pretty good day. Uh, I'm gonna go into rapid fire mode just because we have a lot of questions oh, and yeah. we've okay. been talking yeah, for a bit. Uh, Brian says, Shotgun, what are your thoughts on USC's defense covering uh, Lavisca Chenault?
4: I thought Colorado did a really good job of moving him around different times. You know, you saw that if you go through the stat sheet and look at the ta- who tackled him on these plays, it'll probably be someone different on every single – every every other time there was someone different because they did a great job moving him around. They did different things with him from pop passes to, you know, their their crossing routes were really successful. Katie Nixon got in both times on crossing routes. So I, I thought their offense game plan with LaVisca was really, really good. Um if you have someone you think is a true lockdown, then maybe you shadow him, which you could try to do. But I think with the way that Isaiah Taylor Stewart was sick, Elijah Griffin coming back from a back injury, they just kind of tried to play it out. And, you know, I, I thought that LaVisca won that, that battle much yeah. more than USC did.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question from Jasper Smith who says Any chance Helton slash Harrell go to ball control strategy against Oregon and win the time of posi- possession? Uh, considering the injuries on defense and keep the strength of the Oregon
0: offensive line off the field. Interesting to see. I I don't remember who it was, but somebody in the last tunnel vision said USC was going to be a lot more air-ready in this last, you know, (laughs) completely. And they come out five wides, like, boom. It's like, I'm pretty good at this. I don't know what I'm doing. Will they do that? That's a good question, Jasper. I'm not sure. I would agree with your last statement that you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Fairly. Yes. (laughs) I did call, like, the score almost. I, like, called the <laughs> final touchdown. I told you what the, the offense was going to be like. I don't know against Oregon, because you if you watched the game last night, definitely the offensive line was controlling. You have Justin Herbert, you know, who might be the first pick in the draft, maybe the first quarterback picked in the NFL draft in the spring. They were running the ball a lot. C.J. Verdell was doing a great job. He was benched, uh, didn't start that game, and then comes in and runs for over 200 yards. I think that kind of lit a fire under him. But great running attack, certainly a great uh, offensive line. They can control the football, and they can do a lot of different things on offense. I'm curious to see what kind of game plan USC has. I don't know if the Chargers are going to go a lot more five-wide kind of stuff, and we'll see if some of the injuries on the tailback position come back. But having like an Amon Ross St. Brown get, you know, he had three carries, and Keaton Kristen had three carries like early in the game. Like they were – it was equal – and apparently that Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown, I talked to Jalen McKenzie, said they ran it in practice. It, it worked the exact same way, and they scored a touchdown on it. But if they're not going to do that, are they going to try to slow things down more? I don't know, I'm sure. But that's that's really Oregon's game. I think you got to play your game. Oregon's going to be a lot of ball control and keep it close. Oregon got really weird in the, the fourth quarter just like Colorado did. Oregon didn't play well with the lead. They started throwing the ball when they didn't need to, and I think the same thing happened with Colorado. They were playing really weird with the lead. But that's an offensive line that can control the game. Not sure how USC is going to adjust to it, but they, you might see a little bit different than the, the five wides we saw against Colorado. Yeah, I think the game plan will be much different than that game
4: plan. Yeah. Now, who comes back on the offensive side could determine something as well, You know, because, like I said, Keenan Kristen didn't break any tackles. That run that Amon Ross St. Brown made, doesn't score if it's Keenan Kristen just because he hasn't broken any, broken right. any tackles yet. So he would have been tackled. That was took
0: a big hit. You need like perfect blocking for him. Yeah, just good blocking. Give him good a bo- yeah. Then he'll give him a shoot.
3: hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a question on Facebook from Jeff who says, "Do bowl games count against your four games towards red shirting?"
0: Yes. There you go. See, si, senor.
3: Uh. Torian said, did Dominic Davis get any uh, touches in the game?
0: No. Oh, my God. He so came
3: in, but then.
0: It was really close. So if you remember when Kristen got banged up a little bit, they brought in Dominic Davis, and it was a little dump-off pass. Like, it was a second long or something. I forget oh, what the, the screen dump. attempt. Yeah, it was a little screen attempt, and if Davis was in there, he would have got the touch. And so he would have got – we we said there was going to be over 0.5 touches for Dominic Davis. He didn't get a single touch. But he was in the game very briefly. And then came out, because Kristen kind of came back in, like, while like, you know, the play clock was down to, like, 13 or something. And they they swapped running backs. But he would have got a touch. But it's early in the game, once you saw they were, like, running Amon Ross St. Brown, then you kind of realize, like, okay, so Dominic Davis might be technically the third-string running back. But he's really, like, fourth-string at this point. So he wasn't going to get a touch. But he almost did. And also, since the the touch, you know, uh,
4: the bet was .5, he just had to get one touch. There was a kickoff that went over his head and landed you know, at like the two-yard line and then bounced in the end zone, and there was a little bit of confusion with him and Vale's Jones. If he would have oh, caught that one, that would have been his one touch. I remember ah, that.
3: Yeah. Yep, I remember that. Uh, we have a question from Jacqueline who says, why was uh, Keen getting so much pressure throughout the game? Bad a line play or holding on to the ball too long?
4: A little bit of a combination. I think with some of the routes, when you have five wide receivers and you're truly using five wide receivers – it takes a little bit longer to go through your progressions uh, if, if your immediate options are not open. So I think that's part of it. The offensive line was okay; it wasn't great in that game, uh, and I think probably that has a little bit to do with Drew Richman being out and just yeah. you know adding a new body in there. Uh, so I, I think that it's probably a combination of both.
0: Yeah, and Jacqueline, I think they need to once when you go five wide, a lot of times you're going to bring pressure, It's quick. and uh, you got to get out uh, yeah. quick. So if maybe some of it where he's holding on a little bit, but you got there's a lot of hot routes you got to make. Make sure wherever the pressure is coming from, that's kind of where you're throwing the ball. And so maybe a little bit of both, like Shotgun said.
3: Yeah, we have multiple questions about Steven Montez. Jasper says, do we win against Colorado if Montez doesn't get hurt? And then Danny on Facebook said, what is your thought on Steven Montez? The kid was not the same after he came back. He was quoted as saying he doesn't remember what happened and he (laughs) only remembers people looking down on him. Does Montez passing the concussion protocol sound legit? I'm pretty sure he was concussed. Uh, it yeah. looked it looked like what happened to Keaton against Utah, where his head just like the whiplash on the ground, and he immediately took his helmet off and just went like this, and like couldn't really see and was just holding his his he- hand to his forehead, so he looked like he was pretty shook up there.
0: Yeah, Danny, I I agree with that assessment, like what Keely was saying, so the previous week against Washington state, Colorado lost their backup quarterback. So they were going to bring in a a guy that's really never played before as a third string. He had one play he ran for like 22 yards, but I talked to uh, Adam Munster tiger who covers the buffs for 24 seven for buff stampede. And he's like, yeah, if he's, if that guy's going to play, it's going to be bad news. So I think there could be something to that. Yeah. He had a really nice run. He had a 22 yard run. I mean, He's got the best plus minus or whatever on the field. Like he played for one play and he gained 22 yards, <laughs> but it might not have been the same. Steven Montez didn't look the same, but I really don't think the offensive play calling helped him either in the fourth quarter. They yeah. could have run the ball more. It was very strange the way that all went down. So I'm not going to put it all on Montez and Schulte. Now, if he's playing hurt, you know, fine. But I don't even, even if he was hurt and he wasn't himself, I didn't like the way the offensive game plan was for Colorado. Yeah, Are I didn't.
4: You? I also didn't like punting the ball. On fourth and four, at the what, like thirty-four yard line or something. That's bad. And that was the second time inside USC's forty that they punted the ball. Like, you, you can't go, do that, you, you're a, What? What's their record? I don't even know what their record is, but you're that you struggled the last two weeks a lot. You got to go for it there. Yeah, yeah. they're a three and four. So, you, and it and you're it was, not punting from the thirty-four yard line. And it was initially third and four at that spot. So you have two plays to get there. Like, what oh. you know, run the ball off edge where you you know, had a lot of success. If you get two yards. Then you got fourth and two. I mean, it's, it was just – I did not think that Blake calling. I didn't think Mel Tucker uh, did a good job of game management there, and maybe that's a first-year head coach. Yeah, he is a
0: first-year head coach. So.
3: Yep. Uh, we have a question from – sorry, from Conquer who says, has USC ever played a healthy LaVisca Chenault?
0: No, not really. I don't think yeah. anybody has. <laughs> And that's that's the question. Cause, USC banged him up uh,
4: last year, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's the big question for his future as a as a pro is he, is he going to be downgraded because of his injury uh, kind of history that he's had? Um, he is a dynamite weapon. He's probably still the best player of the
0: Pac twelve, I'd say. Like he's he's up. If he's not, he's
4: up there. Like uh, I might take Penesul.
0: Mm. He's. I think
4: yeah. he's a, eventually a top five pick. So. I'm gonna take him but over, but like
0: as a short yardage running back, and this was the problem too. Colorado just couldn't get out of their own way half the time. With like they had two or three like third and long, or third and short situations. They put Chenault in there as a wildcat, and they get false starts mm-hmm. on both of them. You never yeah. get to see him run. Then the final, I think the third or fourth time he got the ball, and he he ended up getting a first down. But there was just stuff like that. Like, it, Colorado's just not a well put together team, so that's why you're looking at it like they're not that talented. They got some good players, but they're not like super talented and they're not really all that well put together because it's like a first year head coach and they still were up by 10 on multiple occasions against usc that's that's kind of why you have a big issue
3: Mm -hmm. let's go to a facebook question um from gerald who says do you feel like this coaching staff still cannot adjust during games i feel like every team makes adjustments after the first couple drives and sc cannot adjust to the adjustments no they've adjusted They adjust all the time
4: yeah I think this team is much better at making in-game adjustments this season than last year. Now, like I said, I think on the defensive side of this game in particular, they took too long to adjust. Yeah. Um, but the offense, you know, has been really good at making adjustments throughout the season. Um,
0: so I think that's a that's a bad question. Yeah, and half the time, Ooh. I don't know. If bad. I'm not gonna say bad question. Yeah, don't that's, knock you know the mean? questions. Don't China. knock questions. But USA shouldn't have to make those kind of adjustments all the time either. So they they've. They put themselves in positions where, like, oh, they're you're down early on. You shouldn't be able. To, you shouldn't have to do that against a team that you're superior to in Colorado.
3: Nick on YouTube says UCLA still controls their own destiny. In the Pac-12 isn't that crazy. And Will on Facebook says, should we be worried about UCLA? They seem to be emerging and have a real coach.
0: Uh, does UCLA control their own destiny now? They didn't I didn't be- fact check that, so they did not before. I think last last week it was only Oregon and USC. And, and both teams won, so I don't think UCLA controls their own destiny. I think they need. No, they don't, because USC controls their own destiny. Yeah. So well, the, there there was multiple teams early on, but I don't think UCLA does anymore. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the case. But it, you know, UCLA so. is like they could win the Pac-12, and which is True. weird because early on the season, you're like we were talking seriously. Like I was talking to David Woods, who covers the Bruins for uh, Bruin Report Online. And he thought 0 and 12 was like in play. And now they look like, you know, they played really well. They could win, they could potentially win the Pac 12. So for if USC would have played UCLA a few weeks ago, it's like a blot. Now they look like a real team, just like when, you know, Josh, you know, Josh Kelly ran for 300 yards or whatever against USC. Like he's, he scored four touchdowns or something uh, last night. I was watching that game, Pac 12 after dark, crazy. Um,
4: the, yeah, they look a lot different with Joshua Kelly being back and healthy, and also DTR has made a lot of progression from the He's very played beginning. Played
0: way better because yeah.
4: he was terrible at the very beginning of the season. And their
0: defense has played a lot better. Their, really? their defense looked legit. Um, it's and you know we saw Stanford beat Washington and then get freaking boat raced by UCLA. I mean, it's, UCLA looks like real Cal doesn't look legit anymore. Arizona State's kind of fallen off. Um, obviously USC has to play Oregon and UCLA. Those are the two better teams on the schedule right now. And it didn't look like, you know, two weeks ago, you wouldn't have said that.
4: Yeah. It's kind of based off two weeks of of Pac-12 play, which means in two weeks, you might say the exact
0: opposite. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I told you guys last week. So this was my best week of Pac-12 picks for like a month. Uh, I think I went three or two against the spread. A lot of it was, and I, I did a Pac-12 radio show with Guy Haberman, and he's like, "You know what I do? I ignore last week." So what I did was just ignore last week. So look at everything else except last week, and you're gonna do much better because you're like, "Oh, Arizona, they're they're great now." Like, no, that was one week. They they really still stink or whatever it is. It's you know, so just ignore last week, and you'll uh, you'll do a lot better. <laughs>
3: Uh, we have a Facebook question from Roger who says, what happened to counters, reverses, bootlegs, and any creative plays?
4: I mean, they just unveiled a completely new formation that they haven't used all season with five true five wide receivers. Yeah. And they motioned a guy into the backfield that's a wide receiver and used him as a running back. So there's some creativity. This was a more creative game plan than they've used previously. Yeah. Um, so there are still a lot of things that I think could be in there with counters and stuff. I mean, their big counter play is the power run that they run, where they pull both the 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 uh, usually the right guard and the H back across. Uh, so that's something. Now, what we've seen different is sometimes they'll pull the center. Sometimes the, we've even seen them pull Drew Richmond uh, before. So yeah. they've done some different things, and those are the the creativity things that you may not notice. But we haven't seen any trick plays, reverses, uh, boot the bootlegs is just not a
0: really a big part of the now, air raid offense.
4: You know, the air raid offense is to st- make quick decisions in the pockets rather than rolling out and trying to make them.
0: Watch Washington State. And the one thing you're going to say is this is what USC could do easily is you get the ball to the running back in the passing game. Max Borgie is like a freaking beast there. And if USC was throwing the ball to Stephen Carr and Vive Malapai and Marquis Stepp and all those guys and, and Keaton Kristen for sure – it would, I mean, it's been such a weapon for Washington State. They're not trying to throw the ball down the field all that time and trying to pick. They're dumping it off and letting their athletes make a lot of plays. And that's, you get the high completion percentage. Washington State just done a really good job of that. I think that's the one thing in this kind of air raid that USC's not done enough of is getting the ball to the backs uh, in space somewhere in the passing game.
4: It, but the thing is, after those top three receivers, you're, you're next to. Targets are, you know, with receptions are Vi and Steven Carr. Yeah, so they do do that some. They could do it more. Jorge's like the second leading receiver for. But they also mistake. don't run the ball ever. True, which yeah. is why they, you know, Mike Leach's philosophy is five skill players. We want to divide it up equally, but between those five guys, then we feel like we have balance. Now, does that mean running the ball every time with with the running back? No, they throw it to them more. I think that's just more of their option. They just have to be be willing to take the check down when there's nothing there and yeah. that's something that you know they struggle with against Washington they've done a better job since then um, because those guys can all make guys miss, you know. You, you see with speed of Keenan Kristen or the power of a marquee Step or Vi or the you know just the the freak nature of being able to read a defender's hips of Stephen Carr and make guys miss that they pick up yards that way and they just yeah. have to be willing to do that. Now they could do some more things like the touchdown that they threw to Keenan Kristen yeah. So that was a that was s- so easy. That was a swing screen. Now part of the reason why it was so easy is because they brought three defenders blitzing through the middle. Yeah. And they had no one at el- at all on the outside. But Michael Pittman just. Dist- (laughs) destroyed the inside the inside defender there um, and and Keenan, give Keaton Slovis credit for getting rid of the ball really quickly because that pressure coming up the middle, you have to. Um, and there was no defender at all to guard Keaton Kristen because of the blitz they brought. It was a, a complete zero pressure. It was all-out blitz. So And that one was just a great play call against the play that the defense ended up running. But that's something they could do more of kind of those swing screens where it's not just a wide receiver screen. You know, there's two blockers as your receivers out there, and then you just let the running back go and try to make it. That's something that you could – I wouldn't mind seeing added to it a little bit, but yeah. they, the checkdowns and stuff are kind of in the in the in the play playbook. It's just when it, when they need to take it versus
0: when not.
3: Gentlemen, that was a massive failure of rapid fire. Sorry, but, but I'll take it anyway. It was a good answer. Uh, Joe Trojan says, "Is the real conversation for USC winning the South? Will Washington beat Utah?"
0: Well, I mean, it depends on if USC beats Oregon.
4: Like, right yeah. now, Utah looks – I think that's what his whole question is, and he's asked it way too many times for me to have put it – Yeah, Keely is nicer than me and let you do it. If
0: you spam yeah. us over and over and over, I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah
3: you, also – yeah. Go Utah
0: ahead. looks legit. Uh, since losing to the USC, they're just pummeling teams. Do you think they're going to go on the road and beat Washington? I mean, I think there's a really good shot, mm-hmm. but you can't put that – I mean, it's a it's a team that doesn't play the same on the road – we're not sure, but no one in the Pac-12 does. It, like, the, if you want to look at, I mean, if it's a regular team, you'd say, "Why? Well, that team looks too good. They're not losing." Um, but they certainly could lose. Will USC go out and beat Oregon? Like that—that that certainly could happen. But I—I I mean, I wouldn't bank on Utah losing a game at this point. Just the way they look, it doesn't—it's not guaranteeing anything. But they do look legit. And I wasn't ready to give Utah a lot of credit just because we saw them in person and they just didn't look that good against USC, and they look so much better. Recently, I think if they played that game again, they wouldn't play the same kind of defense and try to man up with USC. Um, it just didn't work well at all. You drop back into coverage, I think you're going to do a much better job. Uh, to, to let Matt Fink beat you and you're Utah, and a lot of people think they could be like a top five or six team in the country, um, that's that's a big deal. So we'll, we'll see if they can keep it going. It's not going to be like that easy of a road, but, you know, yeah, USC think- can take care of business. If they just go out and beat Oregon, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they were really
4: stubborn in that game.
0: Utah was. They were very stubborn. And Mm -hmm. they acted like they were like an Alabama or Ohio State talented, but they were facing a team that was more talented and they were not acknowledging it.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to a Facebook question from Lance who says Will Kyle Ford get some run at receiver? Love the flare pass to Keenan. Keep that up. Uh, so thanks for the pick. I don't know what that means. Uh, but Kyle Ford did get his first playing time this weekend. Uh, he was on special teams, which he kept saying that he was closer and closer to getting back. Uh, we finally did see him on the field on Friday. Yeah,
0: why the hell did he play on special teams? Like, what was the point of that?
3: To get him playing time. Because of
4: how many bodies they don't have right now. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, that's I part don't. of it. I mean, but, they're using pretty much everybody that's healthy on the roster at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could redshirt. Like, you're going to play him in game seven? Like, it just seems a little strange.
4: I mean, or game eight? If or you – I don't know that he's going to get much run at receiver because you just used a five wide package with five true wide receivers, and I don't think he rotated in at all. Yeah. I haven't gone through and charted everything yet to see, but as far as I know, he did not rotate in. Can we get a little shout-out?
0: Bayless Jones? Yeah. Yeah. caught a ball? Yeah. Nice job. Like, that, you know, we, we thought we'd see a lot more of him this year. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Sorry, I'm still trying to get these questions in. Uh, we have a question from... Hold on.
0: It's lagging. Thanks, Lance, for that question.
3: Yeah, we have a question from uh, Ron, who says, is it too much attention given to skill position players? Wasn't Colorado's big issue line play? I remember SC in its glory years having dominant, powerful lines on both sides of the ball. No more question mark?
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, you can beat the Colorados of the world, like, just making some big plays. In the way, But yeah, you want to go out and Say USC runs the table and and goes to the Rose Bowl and plays somebody good like an Oklahoma or Michigan or something like yeah you gotta have good off you gotta have line play offensive line play defensive line play I think you can you can beat even a Utah with just your wide receivers making a bunch of plays Um, that's USC's skill you know talent is there at the skill spots but could you hold up with the line play of some of the best teams in the country we we've seen the last few years that just hasn't been the case
3: um shotgun any rapid fire that you would like to ask
0: oh man we have one from uh mars tracy uh do we only have to beat south teams to win the south or do we have to to beat oregon and cal too um no it's a the conference record overall yeah. not just yeah. your your um
4: division record so yes they need to beat oregon and cal uh if they win all their games. Obviously, they will make the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. If they lose to Oregon or lose to any of those teams on their schedule, then you're going to be looking at Utah needing to lose a game as well for them to be. Yeah. Able to Hence
3: the will Washington beat yeah. Utah. That was that, what the, that what? about. And Jacqueline says, doesn't Utah, Utah have a November problem? Which
0: I'll defer to Ryan on that one. Yeah, no, I Who's think they have that? a little bit of a November problem. But uh, th- I mean, Jacqueline, this looks like a different Utah team. But I'm not. I thought there were a different Utah team heading to the USC game. But since then, I mean, that's the one blemish. On their schedule, they didn't have like this robust out-of-conference schedule, but they've looked really good. Like the defensive line is amazing. I mean, we we saw that that secondary looked like crap against USC, but they played really well against everybody else, and they're really explosive on offense um, with Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, outside of the USC game, they look like a real team. And uh, and um, you remember when I when I said that nobody remembers injuries.
4: Remember Zach Moss got hurt in the first quarter of that game yeah. or, or early in the second quarter of that game. He is such a dynamic weapon for him that didn't have the rest of the game. Yeah. And so you look at it and you go, well, Utah looked like crap that game. Well, maybe you forget their best player. You know, yeah. If he, they had their best player, then they probably would have looked a little bit better.
0: And the sure. stubbornness that, that Shotgun talked about, do you remember Utah trying to run up the middle, which at the time, USC was not giving up any yardage. Like They were, just, they were stopping you know, with the four-man front, stopping everything up the middle, everything outside was a problem. Utah didn't care. They kept trying to do that Late in, later in the game. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Mm-hmm.
3: Alan says, "What should we expect scheme wise versus Oregon? Seems like Oregon can get special techniques from both our defense and offense.
4: Special techniques? I don't, I'm just reading the question. Not sure exactly what that means. I, I think you're going to see what they've done, um, which you know you'll see a lot of wide receiver screens. You'll see Justin Herbert throw the ball down the field." Uh, they're they're most dangerous when they're running the ball well. Yeah. And they have a really good offensive line led by Penny Sewell on, at left tackle. So it, it all starts with their offensive line playing well. If USC can slow their run and put pressure on Herbert, he's not that great of a quarterback. I know he's supposed to be a first-round draft pick. He's not that great of a quarterback. He's not. All right. He misses way too many throws to be a guy that people are looking at as a 1-1 one, one pick overall. Yeah. So he can make special throws, and that's what is so – know, so tempting about his talent, but he misses way too many. And if you can pressure him, and by taking the run game away, that would lead to all that. But
0: taking the run game away against that offensive line would be really tough. One thing to watch, if you watched what Oregon was doing defensively, they did a lot of what teams against USC have done against this air raid. They had three or four men rushing, and they would drop the lockdown guys in coverage. They were not getting pressure most of the time. And so can USC's offensive line – hold off and give Keaton Slovis a lot of time. When you saw Gordon back there, he was just like picking them apart because they were they were rushing four guys and weren't getting pressure at all. And he had a lot of time to throw the ball. Does USC get the same kind of time? If they can, I think you can move the ball well. And that's a this is an Oregon team that I think they had 22 sacks coming in on the game. Like they had the most in the Pac-12. They were not getting pressure against Washington State, just rushing four. Will they do that against USC? If they get pressure rushing four, that's going to be a problem. If not then I think the USC offense could move the ball.
3: Alan clarified that techniques meant play calls, formations, and personnel. That's not what I think of when I think of technique, but thank you for the clarification.
4: Anthony asked, as a a freshman campaign, would you grade Keaton better than JT? I think so. I mean, he's got the same win total so far. He's, you know, been thrown in... He's just a in a much situation. better offensive
0: system, though. And I was about yes. to bring that part up. But you got so, it. Yeah. Damn I
3: it. also want like a simulation where you put the same offensive line this year. Because I think this offensive line is better than last year. So, I think it is, too. I think it, that impacts it as well.
0: Uh, at test tackle. Oregon plus seven. What's the game plan got to be to beat them? We'll talk about Oregon going Fr- yeah, on to say, Thursday. Friendly
3: reminder, we Wait. preview the Oregon game on Thursday Wait. at seven. So stay tuned Hold on for on. that. Yes, Ryan. <laughs> Should
0: we do it Thursday at seven? Because you know what Thursday is.
3: What's up? oh it's halloween
0: do you want to do a wednesday show instead of thursday
3: but it's practice how are we gonna do that
0: so we gotta do thursday so we're working halloween
3: i mean we can have this conversation off there should we
0: wait should we like dress up that'd be fun let's dress up for thursday (laughs) (laughs) you dressed up last night you moron come on (laughs) (laughs) anyway i had a secret attack coming but you guys Ooh, i want to dress like dan (laughs) (laughs) nice um so are we gonna do the show thursday
3: you're the boss.
0: <laughs> I know, but I, I said, let's do it Wednesday. And you're like,
3: no, they got practice.
0: So, because
3: um, <laughs> I want to do my I, job. <laughs>
0: I guess we're I guess we're going to do it Thursday. But so we're going to have a Halloween show.
3: Oh, we can do it earlier in the day on Thursday.
0: Do you want to try to do it a little earlier?
3: We could if we wanted to. Yeah, How why about... don't
0: we? Let's do it a little earlier on Thursday. Because <laughs> okay. everyone wants to go out trick or treating yes. and stuff. Yes. Agreed. Should we say?
3: How about we cut, regroup and tweet it out? The All right,
0: we'll regroup and tweet it out. We're going to do an earlier show on Thursday because it's Halloween, but we might dress up and Shotgun has some secrets.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared on YouTube says, will Marky step be back before the UCLA game?
4: That's hard to tell. Um, officially on the ESPN graphic, he was marked as out for season. Uh, Oh, I didn't see that. (laughs) Yeah, they marked him. They marked Vi out for season. I think it was. Um, Yeah, I
3: don't. uh, But the who makes the graphics? They don't know these things. Yeah, (laughs) some
4: some guy in a truck somewhere. So and it it just said season. So it's not just saying regular season. So but no, he was supposed to be three to five weeks. So that would put him right around that time. We'll see. You know, it's it's one of those things. You got to wait and see how the injury, how he recovers from injury, because. Everybody can be different. Some injuries yeah. take a little bit longer than uh, with with certain guys. Like we said,
0: Clay Helton said they'll give an update on Tuesday, but you could get some good news. We'll see.
3: Yes. Already, I've reached the questions limit. Shotgun anything Let's else? Let's do it. Um,
4: there was a question about the settle the real USC debate. I they've already done that in the courts. It's the University of Southern California. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Taylor Katoa comeback. Was a question. Uh, I actually found out earlier this season that Taylor Katoa is on his mission. They don't get a, a chance to really talk to them. You know, th- sometimes they're allowed an email. You know, it's really the 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 Mormon uh, faith. They're really strict about the communication with back home. So I believe he gets to talk to his parents once a week or you know once a month, something like that. And then outside of the the immediate family of the parents, I think it, it's pretty strict on who can contact them. So I think they've emailed with him so far but you know he's still as of now on schedule to to come back to the team next season yeah oh uh, random
0: question right yeah. there
3: yeah we have one last caller and it's from eddie from whittier and he's called at the end of the show every single time but we've met him on the sidelines, so just because of that i'm going to give him the the grace of taking his call the grace <laughs> the grace hello you are live on tunnel vision
0: How's it going, guys? Sorry, it's so late. I'm at work.
4: I'm actually on my lunch break right now, but I was excited to call in. I know it's been hard to get a hold of you guys lately.
3: Well, thank you for calling in. Thanks for calling on your lunch break, your Uh, 8 p.m. lunch break.
4: (laughs) Yeah, so I listen during during work hours, and then I call on my break. So that's how it works. But anywho, so I was calling because I was wondering, what is your guys' take on preparation for Oregon? I mean, I know um, the quarterback is... Seems kind of like the real deal. I don't know if he's a number one quarterback. I doubt it now. He doesn't look like it. Um, but just, you know, our, our defense is thin. Um, we didn't look so well against Colorado.
0: Um,
4: like, we don't hit our practice. So, I mean,
0: what, what do you guys envision as our preparation for Oregon? Thanks, Eddie. Uh, yeah, we'll talk more about this on Thursday. But I think USC is going to be – Got a lot of guys back from injury uh, for this game. So I think you're going to see it's more of a complete roster as far as what we've seen maybe the last couple of weeks. Uh, like we talked about, Oregon's offensive line is really stout. They have a great running, you know, rushing attack. You're going to see he's going to need that front four, that front seven to be able to stop, you know, what Oregon's able to do. I mean, we saw, you know, CJ Verdell, I think he busted off an 89 yard run, just boom, like you know, just turning the game around like that. They're capable of making those big kind of plays. And then We've seen – watch the Oregon defense, and you're seeing names. Oh, Mace Funa. I know that's a guy. Why do you know these people? Because USC recruited them, and they're now playing for Oregon. These aren't guys that are like – you play Washington State, and there's guys you never heard of, and they're just like developed. These are guys that USC wanted, and they're playing, and they're playing well. So, like I said, they had some issues getting to Anthony Gordon for Washington State. If USC's offensive line can kind of hold up, that's – you know – that Kayvon Thibodeau, those guys like that, not getting pressure, that's going to help a lot. But there's legit dudes uh, on this Oregon roster, You're know, Penny you, Chaka, guys that USC really wanted, mm-hmm. and they're there and not at USC. And that's, that's kind of USC's demo. They're going to get all the guys that they want, and then maybe you're going to face somebody else that's maybe not as good, but they've developed well. These are guys that USC wanted and they weren't able to get.
4: And there's also some some on the other side too some of the DBs that you know really wanted to go to USC and have instead gone to Thomas Graham Thomas Graham Damador Lenore you know those guys have been studs for them for i think 3 years now so i uh, expect them to be playing really hard this weekend as well you know those yeah. type, those type of kids that are from the LA area and USC doesn't recruit them as hard or in Thomas Graham's case, he's committed, new staff comes in, they don't really like him as much, uh, so he gets away to Oregon. Those guys, those are the type of kids that usually have really
0: big games when they come home type yeah. of thing. So, mm-hmm. And you well, want to talk well, about, I'm sorry, motivation? You take out like an Oklahoma losing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're see, like, there's more of an opportunity for Oregon to make the playoff now yeah. than there was a week or two ago. So motivation factor for Oregon is going to be sky high because they really feel like – they're going to have an opportunity if they run the table to be in the playoff discussion where before it just didn't look like it, but Oklahoma's out. Um, you know, it would have helped uh, Oregon if LSU ended up losing and they, you know, they won that game. So we'll see, but there's good, the motivation factor, I think is going to be very high. Your new
4: number one team at Oregon coached LSU
0: with John Robinson and Konechi Daisy on staff. Yeah. Well, I wonder, did, did, USC, USC knows at Oregon, right? Like they're <laughs> they've they've familiar with him.
3: What a troll, Ryan. Eddie, thank you so much for calling in on your lunch break. We appreciate you. Um, do we know where game day is yet? Did they announce that? I feel like it's between Memphis and USC, Oregon. Uh,
0: I don't know if they announced it. It's Memphis and,
3: uh, SMU, and SMU,
0: like undefeated teams or whatever. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, not sure, but...
0: D- is there? Did they announce it yet?
3: I don't think they did. I just checked during that, but...
0: We have not seen it yet.
3: Also, we have clamors for... Jay, uh, Jake from Snake Lake, or Jeremiah from Snake Lake. So I'm Jake. putting it out into the... Someone commented that and it got in my head. Uh, so putting it out into the ether, you're wanted, Jeremiah. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Shotgun, do you have...
4: I was just looking through game day to see if they'd announced anything. And they Did they? Nothing on their Twitter yet.
3: Interesting. So TBD on that one, I guess. But that's going to wrap it up. Any final thoughts, guys, before we come back for a, a special Halloween edition of Tunnel Vision?
0: Yeah, no, thanks for uh, tuning in. We, I'm glad you guys watched And uh, when we were in... Uh, Denver, it was a little bit different setup, so we're back to our normal stuff now, but it it worked pretty well, so that's good. So Periscope people, sorry we didn't get to uh, include you on uh, Thursday, but it was fun to do it on location.
3: Yeah, good stuff.
0: USC gets a 35-31 win. It wasn't
4: pretty, but they got the win. Survive in advance has got to be their mentality if they want to make it to the Pac-12 championship. That's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if it's pretty. It just matters if they win, especially a game like Oregon coming up. As long as they can find a way to win, right. I don't think people are going to be complaining about how pretty it is.
0: Yeah. And I, one thing, and I, I, our friends talk about this a lot, you're a USC football fan. You see a guy like Michael Pittman balling out. You see some of these guys playing their hearts out. I know a lot of you want to see some kind of regime change, and so maybe you're not even rooting for the team. Just just try to enjoy it. Like, you know, things are going to work out. I, I think you're going to be fine what happens at the end of the season. But if, a team, if players are going to go out there and play really hard – Try to enjoy. That would be my suggestion. Go out and enjoy. Because college football is only here for three months a year. I you don't want to like wait for it to be over or wait for a change to happen. Like, enjoy when you get to see a guy like Michael Pittman just ball out like that.
3: Only Go. four games left. How crazy is that?
0: That's insane. Like, I know. You're, then you're going to be like, for months, you're going to be like, oh, I wish I had college football back. So think about that time when you're wishing you had college football back. You have it right now. You're seeing some special players make special plays. I know you want some kind of change. Maybe just try and enjoy it.
4: Come from behind victory, too. Yeah. Which yeah. has been really rare for USC. Yeah, the
0: last time 10 points down in the fourth quarter was the Penn, Penn State, State game. Yeah.
3: Well, look at that. All that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. We love when you call in all your comments, questions, and whatnot. So we appreciate you. That's Ryan. That's Chaka. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all on Thursday.
2: Bye. See ya. Bye.